Titus chapter 3, verse 8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Let me go ahead and pray for us um, as we stand. Lord, we, we do come humbly before you. We stand um, in awe and in reverence and in expectation that, that you will lead us, Lord, that we will not leave here unchanged, that, that though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. And so, Lord, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would even give us um, unique ability to, to, to not be too hot and to, to focus and to listen. And, Lord, um, this, this day is massive as, you, as we connect some dots between grace and works. And, Lord, we confess that we're a, a, a easily confused people. And Lord, um, we, we want to be grounded in the truth um, that, that accords with godliness, with right living. So will you lead us through this time in your word? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go ahead and be seated. Um, so we're going to get into it here pretty quickly. If you have a Bible or an app uh, with you, go ahead and turn to Titus chapter 3. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, go ahead and hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you a Bible. So don't be shy. Hold your hand up and raise it up. Um, también si quieres la Biblia en español, levanta su mano y diga español. Um, we want to make sure everybody has a Bible they can read and understand in their own language. And um, if you don't have a Bible, you do now. Okay, this is our gift to you. We want you to have this Bible to put your name in it and underline stuff and, and, and be shaped by God's Word. And, and as we're getting there, as we're turning there, let me just kind of remind us of where we're at this morning. As I said, um, this, is a, this is a significant kind of transition point for us as we, as we get into um, making some sense of what we We've been in for the last six weeks in Titus, a short book. It's actually an epistle, which means um, that somebody wrote a letter to somebody else, that the Apostle Paul planted churches, and then he left one of his uh, disciples, Titus, a young man, in the island of Crete, just off of Greece, and then he, when he left, he wrote him for some instruction for how to establish healthy churches. Okay, there were these churches that had been started or planted, and then um, they're kind of left like, well, now what, right? Like maybe a lot of us, right? We're a younger church, and a, lo a lot of us are like, well, now what? And so this has been an appropriate um, book for us to walk through. And Paul writes and says, look, this is how um, the church of God is to function together. As you see here, the theme has been the healthy church of the one true God. That, 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 um, that, 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 that church means the people of God, right? It's not a building. It's not an organization or an institution. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a group of people. So how do God's people live healthily or rightly or as we ought to um, under his headship and under his authority? And, and in Titus chapter 1, verse 1, it, it says, um, the knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. Right? And that is massive. That's kind of a theme verse to, to really establish us and set us off in, in where we've been is, is, is so that knowledge of the truth, the truth of God, the truth of the gospel will always accord with or lead into or be connected to godliness, godly living. 
And so where we're at this morning is we're connecting the dots between grace and works, right? Some dots that for many of us maybe are not so easy to connect. And and as we saw last week, that that the good news of Jesus is that he came to, to save by grace, to rescue his people by God's undeserved favor through the person and work and authority and rule of Jesus, but he didn't just save us by grace, he saved us for works. There's a purpose. And so the big idea, right, as we read through this one verse this morning, we walk through it, the big idea that I want you to get walking away with this, do good because God has made you good. Okay, if you put your faith in Jesus, God has made you good. And there's a purpose that you would do good. Okay, and so that's, that's what we're going to be walking through this morning. Um, that's, that's where we are. So, so let's just get right into it. The first part of chapter 8. Read along um, with me. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things. Okay, as we've been doing, as we read through God's word, let me just help us. Let me kind of shepherd us for a moment or coach us. As we read God's word, Okay, which we encourage you to do, not just on Sunday morning, not just when we stand here, but we're told um, constantly throughout your life and, 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 to, and to chew on and to be shaped by uh, the scriptures. And so in the morning or in the evening as a family on your own individually, um, read God's word. And as you do that, a couple of, of important things to note is, is when you read something that says something like this, the saying is trustworthy, you should have a little like light bulb or an alarm clock that goes off and then you are led to say, well, what saying is trustworthy, right? Or, or, or another one is when it, when it says, therefore, right, you ask, what is this therefore? Like, what, why is it there? What came before it? What comes after it? What do I need to know here? And so in this case, the saying is trustworthy. And a lot of scholars have spent a lot of time discerning and, 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 and chewing on what, what is the saying. Is it what's about to come or is it what has come before it? And, and almost, um, almost the, the consensus is that it's what came before it. This saying is trustworthy. The saying is the gospel. All right, this saying is trustworthy. And this is connecting everything that's about to come is built upon the foundation of what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Okay, what we talked about last week, right? The, the big idea, the main points were, were that through the person and work of Jesus, he's calling a people who are, who are saved from sin and who are saved from self and who are saved by grace and who are saved for life. Right, and that, that's the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus is this, is that, is that God created us to know him intimately and personally. He created us so that our identity and our purpose would be shaped by who he is. God said, let us make man in our image. And so he created you and me and all of mankind, individually and communally, to reflect him. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion in, in your work in everything that you do, in your relationships, in your, in your consuming, in your, in your purchasing, in your thriving, in all of it, do it unto me. Re- reflect me and my character and my nature through everything that you do. But we said, no thanks. And, and we kind of turned our backs on God and, and we said, I want to figure it out on my own. And so where we're left is, is hopeless. 
is that our identity and our purpose is broken individually and communally and societally and globally, right? Sin, which simply put is not God, has affected and infected everything, including you and me, including every system, every work, every, everything is, is now broken by sin. And yet God says, I'm not going to leave you there. I, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save you. And so God sends God the Son, Jesus, to come and to live the life that you and I were designed to live but unable to do so because of sin. And then he died the death, the death on the cross that you and I deserve to die. And let me pause for a moment and remind you, you deserve judgment. You you don't deserve forgiveness and acceptance So as we get into good works, okay, as we talk about that, let's stand in this important tension point for a minute and recognize this. The only thing that you bring to your relationship with God is sin. That's the only thing. There is no, and maybe you've even heard this in churches before, some kind of analogy of, you know, well, God kind of brings you along, you know, this far, and then you, you take that next step. Or God, God, God does this, and then he kind of takes, you know, your good efforts and the best effort you could do, and you try your hardest, right? Faith is doing the best you can, and then, and then God kind of gets you over the hump and takes you the rest of the way, and that is bogus, Right, That is not biblical. That is nowhere in here. What, what it says is what you and I bring is sin. What you and I deserve is judgment. What you and I deserve is rejection in response for our own rejection of God. Okay? And yet, the good news, the gospel, these things, the saying that is trustworthy is that God doesn't leave us there. Hey, if you're here today and you're, and you're not a Christian, if you're, if, you're, if you're wondering what's this all about, or you, you are a Christian and maybe you've been tempted to think, yeah, my works and my good effort has a lot to do with my becoming a Christian, here right now, that, that's not the case. The good news is that you bring sin and God gives you life. The good news is that you and I stand there guilty, deserving rejection, deserving deserving punishment, and God says, forgiven. And not just forgiven, not like, fine, I'll tolerate you, get out of my face, I guess I won't throw lightning bolts at you after all, but but acceptance, adoption. Okay, this is is foundational. This is um, Martin Luther, a a church father, if you will, who wrote a lot of things. He he says that, and and this is important for us to kind of sink this deeply into our hearts, he says that that life or or, or salvation comes through through this alone. It It comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. All right, again, grace is God's undeserved favor, by grace alone, by God's undeserved favor, nothing that you and I could do through faith. What is faith? Faith is a transfer of trust. Okay, let me just aside real quick. Even faith, you and I don't muster up on our own, okay? I believe strongly that according to Ephesians chapter 2, and this is not of ourselves. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. That even faith is, is a gift of God's grace given to us by grace through um, by grace through faith in Christ alone. If you're really into this kind of thing or you're looking for a new idea for a cool 
tattoo. The Latin phrase is uh, sola gratia, sola fide, sola Cristo. The, the, the solas. By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Let that sink deeply into your soul and be a foundation for everything about who you are and what you're called to do. Because now there's a transition point. This saying is trustworthy. This saying is foundational. This saying is like the chapter in the story that if you were to take it out, nothing else makes sense. But there is more to the story. God doesn't just leave you there, right? We talked about this before. God's not a judge just sitting there in a courtroom and then says, fine, you're forgiven, not guilty. Now I'll just stay here bored in the courtroom and just be forgiven and don't do anything. No, God says, now flourish in your relationship with, with God, in your relationship with yourself, in your relationship with others, in your work, in everything that you're doing, in your carpentry, in your police officer um, duties, as a coach, as a teacher, as a stay-at-home mom, as, as a, even as a pastor, right? Whatever it might be, flourish and thrive so that your identity and your purpose reflects God and his goodness so that saved by grace leads to being saved by works. And so now um, he, he says, insist on those things. Insist on those things so that, right? The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things. He, Paul is telling young Titus, this isn't what's to come, isn't just a, a kind of an add-on. It's not just an icing on a cake. Like this is a, a charge. In fact, it's, it's, it is Paul in the Greek. You see, it's Paul saying, all my authority is given to emphatically charge you to lead um, the, the churches to live these ways, ins, insist on these things. Well, what are these things? It's things that, that, that lead to this, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. The gospel, the gospel is, is true, the gospel is the good news. This saying is trustworthy. Connect the dots, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Now let me just tell you, okay, we're going to go a bit of extremes here, okay, I'm going to wade into some uncharted territory in a moment for me, I'm going to get super practical, right, you hear me sometimes make fun of charts and lists and numbers and 10 easy steps to this, and some of you are like, okay, I get it, but I could use a little bit of clear application, well, today's your Sunday, we have some lists, okay, but first, let me, let me get a little more comfortable and go into some important theology here with us, and let me just connect some dots that were, that ministered to me incredibly as I studied for this, and, and I learned that, that the Greek tenses that are used here are incredibly important, okay, and that's one of those things that, that by God's grace we can learn from his scriptures no matter what, but, but, but that's never licensed to just be flippant and not care, but it's an invitation, right? Like, like an appetizer. Oh, this stuff tastes good. I want to get a commentary. I want to get an ESV 
study Bible or, a, or whatever. I want to learn more. I want to learn about these things. And, it's, and you never get past it, right? We never, I believe for all eternity, we learn new realities about the character and the good news of Jesus. And, and so, so as I learn these things, I, I encourage you to, to, to want to lean in in your own study to learn more about God's character. Because he said, those who have believed in God, and that is um, what is referred to as the perfect tense in in Greek, and, and, and the perfect tense is this. It's, a, it's a, a past event that has current and ongoing implications. That, isn't that incredible? Like, that's something we would miss. You have believed. You have done that. You have put your faith in Jesus. The gospel has shaped you. By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone is true of you. And there are some ongoing implications of that past event. And then we now get into the present tense of Greek, which has, um, it means specifically that there is continuous action. So the present tense is not just do this every once in a while, but continue, right? Those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. As you look at that, what this is actually saying is, you have believed in God, and the, and the assumption is that you will continue to do some things in light of that belief in God so that you will continue to be careful to continually devote yourself to good works. Okay, someone who, who read Greek in, in this original writing would read it that way and, and would understand, okay, there's some ongoing application. And you see there, it's not just devote, but be careful to devote. Devote yourself to good works. Roll your sleeves up. Be careful to do it. Don't just sit back flippantly and say, hey, whatever flows is going to happen. And, you know, I just go to Sunday church and then, you know, whatever happens. But no, there is, there is, an, there is an ongoing application that flows out of the foundational truth of the gospel. Can I get, am I alone? Amen. Can I get a little amen? This is good news, guys. This is incredibly encouraging stuff. This is meant to, for the rubber to meet the road here in your life. If you're wondering, how does my work as a substitute teacher who's looking for a job that more appropriately relates to my, what I studied, right? This is it. This is the good news. Like, because of your belief, continue to devote yourself to good, to good works, well, now is where we get really, really practical. What are good works, right? You might have heard this. You might have used this language before from here, you know, here and there. Like, it's not by works, but by faith, right? It's not by, by works. I'm not a works-oriented person. I'm a grace-oriented person. And um, James, the, the book of James, blows that up too and says, you know, faith without works is dead. So we connect these dots. But first, what are good works, well, um, I'm not going to give you a list yet, okay? I've got two more. I've got two lists coming up. But first, we just need to even kind of get on the same page here. What are, what are good works? Well, a good way to start is what are they not, right? Some, some common misconceptions that my guess is a lot of us believe or are tempted to believe even here in this church. And, and it's this. First, it's that it's the, 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 the works are merit-based, that, that works are directly connected to your forgiveness and acceptance by God. That, that the good things that you do 
I try not to cuss. I try not to hit walls. I try not to, some of you weren't here last week. I confessed that already. Um, we'll get there. It is broken, uh, by the way. Just, uh, I don't, I kind of silver lining would have been if I got a hook out of it, but um, no surgery. I get to keep my hands. Uh, no need for a hook, but um, I learned a lesson, and I need Jesus. Amen? And, um, but, but, but we think, right, in those moments, oh, man, what do I do now to get right with God? Right? I, I did this. I, I, I kicked a toy. I, I looked at pornography. I, I punched a wall. None of which should be minimized, okay? That is evil and disgusting and stupid and despicable. And God, a holy and righteous God, does not sit there and say, it's okay, right? We all do it. He says, that is ridiculous, and that deserves judgment. That deserves hell. But, but Jesus already did what you can't do. So you're forgiven and you're accepted. Now come and repent and confess and be made new. And, and there's not a moment that you need to do something right after that in order to be accepted by God. In fact, the way it works counterintuitively is more like this. God, thank you for um, forgiving me for the sin I'm about to commit. <laughs> oh, um, now I don't really want to commit that sin as much anymore because your acceptance of me empowers me to now do, as Paul says, that which I um, want to do but cannot do on my own. Your grace now enables me to do it, <laughs> to not punch that wall, to grow, to learn. Okay, that's good news. And works are not merit-based, okay? Um, another thing they're not, they're not automatic. There's not, okay, you see here, Paul said, be careful to continually devote yourself. It's not like you just sit back and like, all right, hey, God's the pilot, I'm the co-pilot, or however that word, that bumper sticker that never really made a lot of sense to me works. It's, you know, like, whatever that is, it's like, oh, I'm just kind of sitting here on, you know, cruise control. But no, God invites us into the process. He's the power, he's the initiator, he's the foundation, and then he, he now enables us to do what we could not do by ourselves. Grace-based effort. Okay, that, that's a beautiful idea. Let that sink in for a moment. Grace-based effort, that's what I just talked about. God, help me do what I could not otherwise do. And he sends the Holy Spirit, right? He gives a little bit of Holy Spirit caterade, right? But it stays with us continually. It doesn't leave. He's given you the Holy Spirit to now do what you could not otherwise do. And yet he calls you, empowered by God the Holy Spirit, to devote yourself. It's not just automatic. This is, I'm not going to go through all these here that I wrote up. One, though, that I think is important for us, maybe especially the millennial generation among us, all right? You all know who you are, and we love you. Um, and, and, and yet, it's not like motivation pure leads to good works. Okay, let me, let me flesh it out for a minute for you, because I think you know what I mean, right? You're so committed, and it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Authenticity, right? We're not into seeker-friendly churches. We're not into smoke and mirrors. We want, hey, give it to me straight, and I'll decide if I'm going to respond and believe or not, but don't, don't try to trick me. It's all about authenticity. But then we take that to places, and we think, well, good works, you know, I don't want it to be unauthentic, so I'm going to wait until my motives are 100% pure. Pure, and then I'll start, then I'll start, you know, doing the right thing. And, and that's just not how it works, all right? 
Let, let me tell you, that's, that's one thing that, that does, that's not authenticity. Authenticity is recognizing this is who I authentically am in and of myself, and I'm going to trust God's grace that he is forming me into the image of Jesus and so I'm going to believe him and trust him. I'm going to transfer my trust from myself to him. And I'm going to wade into uncharted waters. And as I am going, he's going to reveal some things to me. And he's going to reveal, hey, that was a good thing. And you have your identity wrapped up into it a little bit too much. I would be lying if I didn't say that's not a daily battle for me and every other pastor okay, that, 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 that is leading congregations throughout the world. That, that is the call to be a pastor, to lead a congregation, to plant a church a good thing. Is the call to do whatever it is that you devote yourself to good. Yes, is there also opportunity to turn a good thing into an ultimate thing, right? That's idolatry. Yes. And as you're going, as you step into it, the, the good news of Jesus reveals, hey, your identity is secure, all right? You can get up there. You can confess your sin. You can, you can lead out of your weakness. And as you're growing, I will make you strong because I am strong is the good news of Jesus. Not wait and get it all fig figured out and then I'll use you, okay? Okay. Uh, Lastly, one of those I'll just share quickly is, um, you know, in, uh, is, that, is that like gr uh, works are Old Testament, grace is New Testament. Okay, some of you might have heard that. That might sound very simple, but a lot of us think that. Well, in the Old Testament, they had to do a lot of works and have favor with God. And then in the New Testament, Jesus came and it was like, hey, trump card, like I'm, I'm free now. I can just, you know, everything's good, you know, and um, now it's grace, right? And we've, we talked about this last week. Right? Like, I don't need to do good works. I've got grace. And if that's your posture, if that's your understanding, hear me. You don't get grace if that's what you think. Okay, from beginning to end, the story of God has been about God's grace leading and compelling his people to do good. Knowledge of the truth which accords to godliness, which leads into right living. Saved by grace, saved for good works. So now we get real practical, okay? All right? This is your moment. Some of you, get your pen out. But honestly, like, I'm going to ask you some questions here. Um, number one, or first list, what are your good works? All right? We just talked about what are good works. And, and, and let me quickly say, um, sorry, I, I moved on quickly. This one's quick. Um, I told you what good works aren't, right? I spent a lot of time there. And now quickly I can just tell you what good works are. That song that we sang, the last song before this, about, about a tree and dead fruit. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll John um, chapter 15 speaks of a, of a branch abiding in a tree and bearing good fruit. So what are good works? Good works are fruit. Okay, what, what, what this means is as you cling to Jesus, as you cling to the foundation of the gospel, as you cling to by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, if that is true of you, that will result in good works. That will result in fruit that reflects the goodness of the tree in which you are abiding. Okay? And if that, if that fruit is not being born, if there is poisonous fruit, as that song sung about, or if there is fruit that you're trying to attach onto a tree, just picture that picture, stapling like apples onto a, you know, like cactus, like it doesn't work, Right? So you should take that and consider, man, am I really abiding in Jesus? Am I really saved? 
Have I cheapened grace? Have I overlooked? Do I not really understand grace? Because when you rightly understand grace, it will translate into works. Okay? So now, what are your works? First, just a good way to, I want to I help you do some, some introspection here. Do some reflection on yourself. Um, what has God given you? All right, think about yourself for a moment. Turn to your neighbor and say, what has God given you? Okay, right? We're, we're getting involved here because it's hot. Um, think, what has God given you? What are your talents? What are your uniquenesses? What's your family of origin that maybe other people don't come from? What is your, your gifting? What are your time, your treasure, and your talents? What are your hobbies? What, what are you good at? What has God given you? What makes you uniquely you? Think about that for a moment, okay? I don't care who you are in this room. I do care who you are in this room. (laughs) But whoever you are in this room, you are uniquely and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 just beautifully lays that out. God has uniquely knit you together. And you have something to offer. You have good works that he wants to use. So what makes you uniquely you? What have you been given? Secondly, what or who do you care about? What or who do you really care about? Again, get creative here. What do you really, really care about? It could be, be, I I love thinking about art. I love seeing a blank canvas that somehow becomes a beautiful piece of meaning. And that could be architecture, construction, drawing, painting, singing, poetry, well, whatever it might be. I love that. I love, I love art. I, I, I appreciate it. Okay, I don't know how it works, art, but I love competition. I love sports. I was thinking this yesterday. We coached our last regular season game. We've got the playoffs coming up. It's a serious time. If you could be praying for us. We've got a week full of playoffs. Yeah, they're only eight and nine years old, but it's important, all right? This is, but seriously, I love, like, sweat, blood-inducing, like, almost want to throw up, like, pass on the verge of passing out, laying it all on the line, God-honoring, neighbor-loving competition. <laughs> I love that. And some of you are deceived, and you think that doesn't happen. You just, said, you just added that. That's impossible. No, it is not impossible. You can duke it out and lay it all on the line and love your neighbor so much that you're, you're pushing him to the limit or her and they are doing the same and then at the end of it, you shake and you hug and you're on the verge of tears and you say, that was good, let's do it again. Okay, I'm gonna get you next time. <laughs> that's, that's good and that can happen. And then who do you care about? Okay, some of you, right? Can I get an amen from some of you here? I'm not crazy. Okay, thank you. Some of us are in that page together. And, and some of you, right, we're all different, unique. And then who do you care about? And how can you maybe connect some of those dots? Maybe, um, like me, you were raised by a single mom, and you now have a heart for single moms and for kids who were raised in homes or are being raised in homes with single moms or, 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 or victims of abuse or the, the marginalized or the voiceless. And, and, and maybe you want to connect those two and you say, hey, I, I love sports and I love, I love seeing 
um, kids who seemingly don't have a shot get an opportunity, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach. I'm going to be a mentor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect those dots. I'm going to invest you know, myself in, in, in because I love this and I love those, okay? And I'm going to put those things together. Um, next question is, who or what should you care about? Hmm. Uh-oh. Not so close. Yeah, right? Maybe there are some people or some things that we don't care about that we should. Well, one thing that comes to mind is you cannot read this book and, and think that it's optional to care about the marginalized, the impoverished, the voiceless. You, you can't. You cannot read the scriptures and think that, 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 that caring for the, the have-nots or those that are struggling in some way is an option. It's just simply not in this book. Yet counterintuitively, somehow, the phenomena that is modern-day evangelical Christianity kind of leads us to think it is. And, and we think, you know, some people do that, and good for them. Now, how and to what degree and how much we invest ourselves and all that, yeah, we have different callings and different giftings and all those things, and yes, but I don't want to give us that easy out, right? Who or what should you care about? James um, uh, 1.27 tells us that true religion is this, that, 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 the, that, 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 the, that the orphan and the widow is cared for and provided for. All right, there, and there are other groups of people, and, and it's mostly people who you don't look like or you don't understand. Who, who or what should you care about? And then lastly, I want to ask you, the last of this list is, um, w- 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 like, how can you make some margin in your schedule for it? Uh, n- number four there, if you could put that up. How can you take initiative how can you make some margin in your schedule to just connect the dots? Connect who you are and what you love and who you care about or, or maybe spend some time praying and asking God to reveal other things and other people that maybe you don't really care about or you overlook or you walk right past. Um, maybe make some space. Maybe you say, man, I really love this group of people but I don't have room for it. Just pray and consider, how can I make some, some time as I am going to carry on these good works that flow out of the good news of Jesus in my life for God's glory and the good of others. And now a last list I want to ask us together, right? Because this isn't just an individual thing, right? Church is never just about you, okay? It's about us, right? The healthy people, plural, of the one true God. And this is now, um, what, what are you going to do about it? Okay, what, what can we do about it now? I've got six things I want to walk through with you. And essentially it's this, guys, as a church right now, it's this. What can we do to be the healthier people of God? Right? That's a valid, practical question. And so these things are saying, if we do these things, what will make us healthier together as Redemption Tucson? Here are some things that we could do together. One is move toward people. Move toward one another. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said that the most segregated day of the, work of the week is what? Sunday. Right? And he was talking about that, 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 that within the walls of the church in different, different congregations around town, 
It was very segregated. There was never God's people corporately, communally coming together, um, reflecting the eclectic nature of God and his creativity and coming together to worship him together and to learn from one another and confess alongside one another, but it's segregated. And I would submit to you that today, sometimes the most segregated um, room that any of us are ever in is the church, right? Maybe our rooms are more, are more, um, are more, are more diverse, but, but we've got groups of people sitting you know, separately from one another. We've got you know, age groups and Sunday schools that are all for everyone's niche, and you never need to move towards somebody else that's older than you or younger than you or different than you or in a different tax bracket than you and whatever it might be. And, and so I, I would say for us to be a healthier church, Redemption Tucson, um, Get, get to know your neighbor, all right? Get, get to know someone else, not just the young, right? We talked about this before, right? Old men, older women, younger men, younger women, relate with one another. Here's how you do that. Get to know one another in our diversity. Not just, hey, what's your name? You know, good to meet you. Okay, peace out. I'll forget you next week. But, like, maybe we could go get lunch sometime. Maybe our families could get together. Maybe, you know, we could actually build some community with one another, move toward each other. Number two, outward focused. Um, we have a few ways specifically that we could do this, right? We are gospel-centered and outward focused, right? If, if that, hopefully you're connecting those dots, if that's saved by grace and saved by works, or not saved by, saved for works. Forget that, I didn't say saved by works. You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace, but you're saved for works, okay? So, so we're gospel-centered and we're outward-focused. Live as outward-focused. We have a couple things that we can do as a church to be doing that. We can um, serve. We meet in a school that could desperately use some good works, okay? Maybe let the heater remind us of this. Let the spit wads on the ceiling in the wall in the men's bathroom. I don't know about the women's bathroom. We got spit wads on the ceiling in the, and okay, be reminded that 85 to 90% of the kids who come to this school are on free or reduced lunches and there is brokenness in every way and, and there are teachers who are, are pouring their lives into these kids and could use some, some you know, attaboys, keep at it. I, I'm here with you. I'm praying for you. I want to serve alongside you. So Stafford School and Tucson is full of, of our international neighbors. L love your neighbor as yourself, refugees, people who are scared and displaced and, and in many cases have post-traumatic stress disorder and, and, are, and are, um, are struggling and who need to be, be loved and, and served. Safford and be engaged in serving re re refugees. Why I love where I live. Um, uh, it's a, a ministry that helps people um, invest in and appreciate what God has, has given them. Kristen and Alex Tovar here is a part of our church lead in that. If any of these, put it on a connection card to say, hey, how do I hear more about this? How do I, how do I get more involved in outward, outward focus? And then another one that um, Abigail Wilhelm, another member of our church, works for or serves in free ever after, fighting human trafficking, saying sin, it's not supposed to be this way. And so I have unique gifts and unique talents and unique passions, and I'm investing my life in, in, in helping to fight this terrible injustice that the grace of God has, has sunk so deeply in that I am compelled to good works, to, for God's glory and my joy and the good of others. Okay, so Get involved in some of these things. And if something I didn't say comes to mind, and you say, well, why aren't you doing that? It's because you haven't started it yet, <laughs> okay? 
So, so outward focused. Um, get involved in community, number three. Redemption communities. Get involved in community. This isn't just a nice add-on to life. It is absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Your own walk with Jesus, your, your, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, um, your flourishing in all of life really depends on walking alongside others who will point you to Jesus. And you can help people become, learn how to be friends, all right? Have you ever noticed that the kid on the playground that has no friends and is mean to everybody and is a bully? It's because they don't know how to have friends. So get involved with the redemption community and help people learn how to have friends. Okay, be friendly. So there's a direct correlation. So your good works will go to, will go to, uh, to, good, to good service there. Get involved in the community. Serve. Serve here in the church. Serve in the kids in hospitality. Teach classes, mentorship, invest. When, when everyone who stood up here became a member, um, they're encouraged. Like, you, don't, you no longer say you should do this or your church or the church, and none of you should say that. But when you enter into covenant community, you take ownership. And when you own something, you invest in it. We all need to be known and we need to be needed. And hear me, you are needed. Okay, so serve. Number five, be generous. Be generous with your time, your treasure, and your talents. Give of yourself. Be hospitable. Open your home. Use what God has uniquely given you. Again, consider your family of origin, and perhaps that shows up and now in your home. And, he, and hear me, as someone who didn't grow up in a, in, a, in a super healthy home, just by saying every once in a while, hey, come over to our house for dinner have, you know, invite someone into your apparent chaos, and, and that might be one of the first times they've actually sat around the table with a family that loves each other and prays and talks and asks about your day, and then invite them into your, into your routine at night and as you pray with and sing with your kids, and yes, your kids might be yelling and screaming and fighting, and it's not perfect, but you're generous. You're bringing people in. Okay, you're, 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 you're using what God has given you for the good of others. You give faithfully, generously, sacrificially, financially. Be generous. Give of who God has made you and what he's given you. And then lastly, number six here. Share what God's done. Has God done a good work in you? Have you been saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone? Consider, right? We talked about this last week. If you could say, but for the grace of God, this would be true in my life. Okay, be, be humble and recognize, man, God has done so much in my life. Has God done some good things in this church? Invite others into it. You know, get creative about it. Tell your neighbor, tell your friends, tell your family, bring them along. Hey, I'd love to, I'd love to share with you what God has done and what God is doing in my life. Those are some good works that we could do together. So as we connect these dots together, as we now transition into our time of response Individually and corporately, the good news is that Jesus has called us to be the healthy people of the one true God. The, the good news of Jesus is that knowledge of the truth always translates into godliness. Churches, it, it consider now and, and respond and pray and sing in light of the fact that Jesus has said, do good, not by your own effort, not to 
please me or be accepted by me or be forgiven by me, but do good because I have made you good. So now we get to live together for God's glory and our joy and the good of others. Saved by grace and saved for works. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Um, Lord, thank you for the reminder that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Lord, thank you for the reminder that we need Jesus. Lord, thank you for the reminder that you have given him to us and you have given him for us. Lord, let us never grow numb to the good news of the gospel. Let us never grow numb to the greatest news, the, the foundational truth of by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. Lord, that we are justified, regenerate, born again, made new from death to life, forgiven and accepted, adopted, sons and daughters of God Most High. And you have given us a purpose. Lord, let us live. Lord, let our identity and our purpose, let our lives, let our work, let our relationships flow out of. Lord, let them be good works for your glory and our joy and the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen.